Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andy Arnott with Amy Wees. And this is Seller Roundtable number 75. And we are with Rob Hornstein today. Rob, I hope I got that right. I, I, I forgot to check this time. I usually ask the guests beforehand, so I don't butcher your name. Yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> awesome. Welcome, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on uh, Seller Roundtable today. And uh, you're, you're going to uh, give our audience kind of something really unique, which uh, I'm excited to see. Uh, which is, uh, you know, how to expand into um, Amazon International Marketplaces. But before we get to that, um, we always like to get kind of a little background uh, so that, you know, people can kind of learn who our guests are. So if you wouldn't mind sharing with us, uh, you know, a little more about you, uh, share as little or as like or as much as you like, things like where you're born, where you live now, past jobs, college, school, um, you know, anything you want to share about your uh, your journey to where you are now. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, so yeah, a little bit about my background. I actually got started in e-commerce about almost exactly one year ago this week, actually, um, was when I started my e-commerce journey. Um, it's kind of right at the end of my time in college. I graduated uh, last December in what turns out to be a global pandemic. So not exactly a great timing to be uh, looking for my first job. And so I kind of decided, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm really going to try to make this e-commerce thing work. I'm going to try to go into this full time and really try to scale it up. And at that point was when I really started to get into FBA and really try to push and, and scale my business. And as a part of that, I got connected uh, with eGrow, which is uh, kind of a seller research tool um, that I wasn't very familiar with before. And um, I'm just doing some kind of outreach and, and, and kind of marketing for them, doing a lot of videos and things like that. And it's been a really awesome experience for me because I've gotten to speak with so many sellers, both in the United States as well as around the world, uh, who are selling uh, on using Amazon FBA uh, in, in categories and in, in countries I didn't even really think of as a possibility. So it really just opened my eyes to the opportunities, not only here, but also around the world um, and has really gotten me excited to actually start selling internationally as well. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's uh, excellent. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm excited to see kind of, uh, you know, where, where you think that the, the biggest opportunities are in terms of, of the Amazon marketplaces. So uh, if you guys are watching uh, the video um, on YouTube or on our website, selleroundtable.com, you can actually uh, see Rob's slides. Uh, if you guys are listening to this on the podcast, you can go back to the website and, and uh, check those out. But he's also going to kind of uh, talk you through it as he goes. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, we'll just take a look at the U.S. marketplace. Just, I mean, I'm sure many of you guys are kind of aware of some of the information about uh, selling on FBA in the United States, but I think it's kind of a great baseline to get an understanding for all these countries that we're going to look at moving forward. And again, if you guys have questions or if any of the audience throws in questions, feel free to cut me off and we'll, uh, we'll get into that. Um, but the United States uh, FBA market is the oldest uh, one in the world, founded in 1995. And in the United States, there's over $600 billion uh, in e-commerce e revenue every year. So it, there's huge opportunity, uh, but with that co also comes huge competition. Amazon's really got a strong foothold in that marketplace. And so uh, there's really you know, been great opportunity over the last several years. And there it continues to be good opportunity in the US, but it's just becoming more difficult all the time in terms of 
um, the number of competing sellers as well as the investment required uh, at, to get started. Uh, you'll see I've kind of come up with my own little metrics here at the bottom of the screen. And for those listening, I'll just kind of uh, make sure to read them off as well. But uh, in terms of market size, competition and investment, those are kind of the three main factors that we're going to be looking at uh, across all these marketplaces. Uh, I give the United States a five out of five for all three of these metrics. So it, it's a huge marketplace. Obviously, like I said, it's the biggest, um, very strong competition. And there's also quite a bit of investment required to get started. You know, in some cases, you can definitely find opportunities to get started on a smaller budget. Uh, but in comparison to some of these other markets that we're going to be taking a look at, um, you're not going to get as much bang for your buck, so to speak. So just kind of a quickly just wanted to give you guys this information so we have kind of a framework for where we're going to go uh, moving forward. Uh, let's see. Then, So the next marketplace uh, and probably uh, one of the other most popular marketplaces is the United Kingdom. And that's also uh, where we see a lot of opportunity these days. It is a very old marketplace, over 20 years old, uh, founded in 1998. And there's $142 billion dollars of, of market share to go around in the e-commerce market. Uh, Amazon holds about 30% of that market share, uh, give or take, and half of Amazon's uh, 40 plus EU fulfillment centers are in the UK. So this is actually a pretty centralized hub for, uh, for Amazon and for FBA uh, throughout all of Europe. So definitely kind of like an, an interesting and possibly a good first option when first expanding into uh, Europe. I think that's so interesting, Rob, because, you know, UK in terms of um, geographic, ge where it's geographically located in Europe is kind of outside of <laughs> what you would consider Central Europe. So it's really interesting to me that, um, you know, over 20 of the FCs are in the UK. And so I'm interested to see how the UK's market share compares with like Germany and Italy and, and Spain. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're about to jump into those countries as well. And, it, it, you know, I think historically this has always been a really strong point for Amazon. But, you know, with more recent events like Brexit and, and things like that, where it's maybe shifting uh, the economy of Europe as a whole a little bit. Um, you know, I'd certainly expect to see a little bit of that um, investment in infrastructure within the U UK, maybe switch to other countries, whether it be Germany, the Netherlands, France, or, or, or whatever that those countries might be. So, yeah, that's a great point that historically, this has been really strong for Amazon, probably, um, you know, definitely the second most, I mean, established successful market, however you want to describe it. Uh, but that's not necessarily going to be the case moving forward. Um, I'd say overall niches are a little bit less saturated uh, than the United States, but uh, competition can still be very fierce uh, depending on the category you're looking at um, and, and overall kind of the market size and investment, it all just falls slightly below uh, the U.S. marketplace. Um, as you brought up, Germany is kind of the, the next marketplace we can jump into. Um, also founded uh, in 1998, uh, same day as the U.K. marketplace. Uh, it didn't take off quite as well um, as the UK market, at least initially. Um, the, the growth wasn't quite there in the early days. Um, currently sitting around a $73 billion in, in revenue each year, and Amazon holds 27% of that market share. But as of the last couple of years, Germany is actually starting to grow much faster uh, than the UK in terms of uh, increase in revenue each year. And it's also one of the most profitable marketplaces uh, throughout all of Europe. So Germany is definitely kind of 
like uh, an interesting market to keep your eye on. You know, UK has kind of been the dominant marketplace uh, in Europe over the last several years. But I, I, in my opinion, at least Germany is really kind of that up and coming marketplace that has the best chance to really overtake uh, the UK. The one kind of issue or maybe reason that Germany hasn't kind of met expectations, at least compared to uh, the UK so far, is the language barrier. And that's something to kind of keep in mind throughout all of these marketplaces. In countries where English isn't the predominant language, yes, you do see many people that do speak English, especially in business. Uh, but uh, Amazon does require you to be able to offer seller support in the country's native language. So, uh, you know, if that's something that you can do yourself, that gives you a huge leg up on any other uh, maybe U.S. or Chinese-based competition that's trying to get into the market. Alternatively, if you don't have that uh, language knowledge, you can certainly outsource that and, and bring someone in that can help you with that. So another, just, yeah, just Rob, just something I just wanted to jump in real quick and, and point this mm -hmm. out too. A lot of people don't realize is the other reason why I think uh, you're spot on with Germany uh, really expanding and growing and being a, a dominant marketplace is Germany is is a huge manufacturing hub in the in in the EU. So. Um, you know, you can actually source products from Germany and sell them in Germany, you know, like uh, contact manufacturer in Germany, source the product there, then they literally deliver it to the to the uh, fulfillment centers in Germany and, and, you know, pretty hands off, very similar to, you know, what you can do in the US or, you know, from China direct to the US where it's fairly easy to spin up products. Not only that, but German products are, are really well known for being quality products. So just wanted to throw that out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. That's a, that's a great point. And also just kind of going back to what we were talking about on the last slide, but that Frankfurt and, and, you know, Germany in particular is kind of becoming a central business hub for Germany, you know, very easy to uh, ship products to very easy to travel through when trying to get to the rest of Europe, uh, especially with kind of the changes going on in the UK. So yeah, certainly uh, a potential big up and coming uh, uh, marketplace. And then uh, again, you know, not quite as saturated as the UK. So definitely excellent opportunities in certain niches uh, that aren't as saturated maybe as the UK or as especially as, as in the United States. So um, overall, yeah, a very interesting marketplace to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, moving forward, we'll kind of, I think, continue through Europe here. Uh, the French market was founded uh, actually a little bit after uh, the United Kingdom and Germany, uh, founded in 2000. And uh, currently sits at $46 billion uh, in e-commerce revenue uh, each year. And Amazon holds 18% of this market share. So certainly not quite as dominant um, as in Germany and in the UK. Uh, the big reason for, for this is there are other e-commerce companies uh, in France uh, that have really kind of made it tough on Amazon. Amazon's certainly doing a good job and, and they're uh, definitely taking the lead. Uh, but there are there is a lot of competition that has been able to hold on. And uh, forgive me, I, I was looking at the list earlier of the names of the competition, and I don't speak French, so <laughs> I can't I can't give those uh, to you guys today. But um, you know, certainly something to keep in mind uh, if, if you're thinking about getting into Europe is that uh, for whatever reason, uh, Amazon just continues to see that kind of intense competition in France. Um, and that's and I think that's really interesting because you know here in the U.S. we think about other channels that we could be selling in, right? Like I mm -hmm. sell on Walmart and Wayfair mm -hmm. and some other e-commerce channels, uh, Mercari, Etsy. You know, and, and Andy's gotten into some other ones too. And um, it's I guess that's something that none of us really think about when we think about expanding to the EU. And you think eighteen percent 
of the on now is that when we say market share is that the online the e-commerce market share or is that all of retail market share yes that's strictly e-commerce sales wow so yeah. there's others that have a larger portion of the e-com market so mm -hmm. if you do have a you know so a product that might do especially well in france you might want to study up on some of the other e-commerce channels and even you know germany or uk and see what other opportunities they are there are and whether or not you could break into um, those channels as well certainly yeah and and you know just in terms of the metrics for this market we give um france kind of a two out of five for the market size competition and investment um and and that market size is really you know more related to amazon's place in the market where you know they're seeing a lot of competition so uh with you know with that being said there is a lot of opportunity because you know there are so many other competitors the investment uh to get started isn't quite as high so um you know although it's not taking off quite as much as the uk or, or certainly germany um you know this could be a good option or possibility for maybe a brand new seller or someone who's getting started with a bit of a lower budget because you might not see those uh, huge returns right away, but there's definitely potential for growth and it's going to be a little bit easier to get into, uh, at least at the beginning. Especially if you speak French. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you're going to see this on, on all these slides, but really in, in places where English isn't the predominant language. So we're talking the UK, Australia, the U S um, you know, there is going to be that language component. Um, uh, and that, the, the big thing too, is it's not in e-commerce. It's not just about whether you speak the language it's about whether or not you know the keywords in that language that people, the way people search for something. Uh, we've had Jana Krekic on a couple of times from Wild Tea Translations uh, where she explains like, hey, it's not as simple as just like Google translating your listing on, you know, one of these other international platforms because there's, that's, that's not necessarily um, related to a keyword or the way someone would call that thing that they're searching for. Um, for it to show up in search results. So exactly. That's a great point. I mean, when I'm doing product research, trying to understand what's trending in these international marketplaces, you know, I get all these keywords, for example, in French, and I go to translate them. And I think, you know, that's kind of a weird way to phrase it. Like, you know, that's not how people would search for that item in America. But you really kind of have to have that understanding of not only being able to like speak the language, but like you were saying, really understand it and, and be able to use it like in a business sense. So yeah, that's, that's a great point. I think the other thing that people really have trouble with in Europe when they're expanding into Europe is all of the VAT charges. I have a couple of clients in the UK and they're okay because their businesses are based in the UK. But I know a lot of my clients who are in the US who have um, who are selling in the UK, they've been hit with these huge VAT um you know, these tons of, of um, VAT charges, right? Mm -hmm. Where some of them didn't plan. They thought there was like a loophole where they only had to sell uh, underneath a certain amount and they wouldn't have to pay that, but that turned out to not be true. So uh, have you studied any of that, Rob, in terms of what people are um, running into when you're a US-based seller who wants to expand? Um, have you studied anything about the the import, export, the local VAT um, charges, anything like that? Certainly, yeah, that's definitely something uh, to keep in mind when you're looking to expand uh, into an international marketplace. And that is, you know, research that you can do yourself because it's, it's going to be kind of a case by case basis. 
you know, how it works in France is going to be different than how it works in Australia, obviously. Uh, so I would, yeah, definitely encourage people that they need to do their own research specific to the market that they're looking to get into. Um, it also doesn't hurt to have uh, some sort of uh, representation uh, that's familiar with that market and maybe their tax laws as well, whether it's a lawyer, an accountant um, who has an understanding of either the laws in that country or how to get information about the laws in those countries as well. But you'll see here, we're going to jump into Brazil uh, fairly soon here. And that that's going to be a big uh, point I'd like to cover uh, talking about that market as well is just, um, you know, some of the, the taxes and the duties that you have to pay when, uh, when sending products into that country uh, really don't make it worth it in a lot of cases. So, uh, you know, that's something that you have to factor into your profitability calculation that you may not think about um, when strictly selling in the U.S. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into Canada now. Um, founded a little bit later than France uh, back in 2002. So market is, uh, you know, about 18 years old now or so. And they have a $25 billion e-commerce market. Um, and over the last few years, Amazon has really focused on optimizing delivery. You know, Canada, at least relative to the United States, uh, doesn't have a huge population, uh, but it's very spread out, right? Ge geographically, it's a very large country. So that, that's a big challenge. That's been a big challenge for Amazon is, is trying to improve distribution and really uh, figure out the best way that they can serve their customers. And I think that's something that they are uh, starting to really be able to improve upon that's uh, been helping sellers uh, quite a bit. Um, there are also uh, other e-commerce giants in Canada, you know, whether it's Walmart or eBay, kind of similar to uh, uh, the United States where, you know, it's not necessarily hurting Amazon too much, but, um, you know, if you are interested in getting into e-commerce uh, in, in Canada, you know, you might also consider looking at some of these other avenues as well, because there's certainly uh, a lot of opportunity. Uh, in that case. So, you know, generally market size, competition, investment, all, you know, kind of middle of the road, uh, about three out of five in terms of, you know, it's not too overwhelming for brand new sellers, but um, the market is, I would say, trending in the right direction. And it's not a, not a market that I hear talked about uh, very often. Uh, so it's certainly uh, uh, something to consider. You yeah, know that well. I've, I've had some experience selling in Canada and what I learned, <laughs> uh, well, first of all, you know, Amazon has, Amazon has a new program where they are, I believe it's called NARF, um, where they are um, fulfilling your products for you. Um, but some people who are living in Canada are saying that the, that when they buy through that program, um, they get charged extra on those shipping charges for Amazon to fulfill it from the U.S. to Canada. The, um, the VAT from the U.S. to Canada is actually quite expensive. And so I, my products are made, some of my products are made in the U.S. And so I was importing um, or exporting up to Canada, right, from the U.S., and the VAT charges were so high on my products that I ended up having to raise my price, right, of my products to cover it. And then fulfillment was also very expensive. Um, in Canada, they have less, their um, delivery, their postal service program is not as, um, I would say, robust as it is in the U.S. So sometimes delivery is delayed and there's issues with that. Um, and so what I found out is that when I raised my price in Canada, um, what the Canadians were doing is they were just going on amazon.com and 
ordering the products there at a lower price. And some of them have US based addresses where they can just go and pick up the products and whatever, right? But, um, but yeah, I learned the hard way that if you cannot import directly from to, into Canada from your um, wherever your country uh, is wherever that product is being produced. So if you're, if you have products being produced in China, for example, it's best for you to ship that direct to um, Canada's fulfillment centers for fulfillment versus trying to use the NARF program or trying where Amazon fulfills it between Canada and Mexico from the US or trying to ship to the US first and then move all your stuff to Canada and paying those charges again, right? At least if you're putting that, if you're putting your products right from China to Canada, then you're only paying those charges one time. <laughs> but oh my gosh, it, I definitely learned learned my lesson there uh, in terms of selling in Canada for people that live in Canada and can source locally. This is an incredible opportunity because they can keep their prices low. They're already paying those charges on those products um, at the point of purchase and not having to, um, you know, pay them again and again, like the rest of us. <laughs> so that's, that's what I learned about selling in Canada. And, um, and I'm going to try the NARF program a little bit and see how well that works. And um, it's, it's a good thing to try because you're not, you don't lose anything, right? If, if, if it works for your products, it works. If not, then, you know, then you're not out any money. You didn't send anything to Canadian fulfillment centers and have to try and sell out of that inventory. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, Andy, that go ahead. No. Yeah. I was just going to add to that. So I don't know if you guys, if you guys log into your seller central accounts today, you'll actually see in the kind of news and updates section that they just um, kind of expanded and made it easier for you to do the uh, remote fulfillment with FBA. But what's new, I think, I don't think this was the case before is it says, if you use this program now, it'll give you the prime badge in Canada as well. And they also take care of, like Amy was saying, like any of the cross-border logistics, right? So import duties, you know, getting the product up there, it's pretty much like super hands-off. Um, but like Amy mentioned, what you will want to do is definitely look at those fees and make sure that your products are priced. You can actually price them differently. There's another new section where if you go into the edit screen of your Amazon products now, they're, they're at the bottom there. There's actually kind of a this little tiered thing that shows you, okay, this is what you're charging in the US, this is what you're charging in Mexico, and this is what you're charging in Canada. And make sure you guys adjust those prices to uh, make sure that you're you know, getting that profit margin that you expect. But this is really cool in the sense that you're getting to now expand into Canada and Mexico with almost no, you know, zero work. And, uh, and, and just a little bit of, of, uh, you know, I think you, they, if you have a lot of products, you can upload the, a spreadsheet and just say, yes, I want, you know, this product to be included. If you only have a few products, you can just go into the, into the, um, remote fulfillment with FBA settings and just specify, Hey, I want these, you know, these, um, ASINs included. So pretty, uh, interesting play by Amazon to get, uh, you know, more products into Canada and Mexico from the U S. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.